You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived, worked, and ministered in small, out-of-the-way places, and people who understand the value of what God's doing there. I am your host, Joe Epley, and I am super excited today to talk about outreach. Uh, We are going to introduce in a second our guest, Pastor John Baker, and uh, I just love how even his story growing up uh, was the result of just effective outreach, and then he carried that heart through his ministry, and I'm super pumped for him to share on what that looks like and what it could look like in your church. And so the first thing I want to do is say, uh, Pastor John, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. How about everybody? Yeah. Well, hopefully everyone's doing better than you and I, you know, he's in Southern Idaho, I'm in Montana, and it is just cold and snowy. So if you're tuning in from a sunnier state, uh, bless you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think uh, I'm at the one of the nicest parts of Montana, and our high is negative 13 today without the wind chills. So uh, oh, wow. quite a cold front. <laughs> But uh, but anyways, Pastor John, uh, as we do with most of our guests, I just want to uh, have you kind of dive into your background in ministry and your connection to the rural church. And so, um, you know, and, and I'm sure you'll share uh, a lot of your story when you talk about your heartbeat for the lost. But for the for now, just give us maybe the overview. Where have you been? Where have you pastored? What have you done? And what are you doing now? You know? Um, yeah, we started off in Illinois, me and my family. I am a husband and a father. I have three kids, a beautiful wife who is also licensed with the Assemblies of God. We started off in Illinois. We have uh, served under some great pastors there and bigger churches. Our first church was a smaller church, not as small as we are now here in Idaho, but we have always um, been in a smaller church, nothing real too big. And this is my second pastor job, uh, head pastor job. But yeah. so far here in Idaho, we love it really good. And we're connecting very well in this uh, smaller town that we live. Sure. And tell us just uh, a little bit about some of the roles you did, you know, so, uh, you know, were you, were you a youth pastor? Were you an associate? Like what, what were some of the roles you had back in Illinois? Um, in Illinois, we were an outreach pastor that one of the churches that we served under in Galesburg, Illinois. And then uh, when we were in uh, Moline, Illinois, we were kind of in, like in the first impressions and stuff like that. And then we took our first uh, lead role pastor in Chillicothe, Illinois. Oh, cool. And so tell me a little bit about uh, where you live in Idaho. What's uh, the name of your town, what's the population, what's it like to live there? Give us a bit of a snapshot of the church, you know, just just catch us up, you know. Um, we are in New Plymouth, Idaho. Uh, the population here is 1,700. We are probably about 45 minutes away from Boise, Idaho. Um, it's really well, really good here. Um like I said, when we moved to Idaho, I was hoping to leave all the snow behind it. But as I woke <laughs> up this morning, we're full of it. So it's a very nice place to be. It's a little, a lot smaller <laughs> than what <laughs> sure. we're used to, but God is doing things out here. Awesome. Well, I love to hear that. Uh, I myself definitely came from a larger place to a smaller place. And uh and the rural heart wasn't something I was born with. It was something that just kind of had to grow in me. And I love when people get that opportunity. But uh, so let's talk about uh, the loss. Let's talk about outreach. Um, 
And I know this, a lot of this involves kind of your own story and your own testimony, but, but for this first question, describe your heartbeat for reaching the lost, right? Cause all of us would say, we know the great commission and all of us would say, yeah, we, you know, we care about reaching out to the world, but, but there are some people where it just becomes such a fundamental building brick, a uh, building block, if you will, of their life. And so where does it come from and why are you especially passionate about outreach? Well, I think for me, it's because I, even though I grew up in a Christian home, I left the church and I went into the world and I did all the things that a worldly person do. And if it wasn't for um, pastors and men of God and and people of, of God that reached out to me and can continue to reach out to me, continue to reach out to me and prayed for me and loved on me, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah. And and talk to us a little bit. If I remember right, um, I enjoyed hearing the story of kind of, uh, you know, when you started to follow Jesus. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I know my mother, um, she was a very godly woman. And I left the church. She said I was old enough to decide on my own if I wanted to continue to go. And so I had cho- I chose not to. And so um, my mother had a stroke and she is getting ready to pass. I didn't know she was getting ready to, to pass. And so she said, you promised me you was going to get my grandkids back into church. And she told me I'm going to go home and see Jesus. And I was like, well, whatever, Ma, you know, yeah. you do a lot better than most people that had a stroke. And um, it was Mother's Day. I remember it clearly. She was just had a stroke and the day before she was looking bad, but today she was looking good. And so she told me to go home to spend time with my wife. And when I went right when I left the room, um, I got to the front door and they called me back in and said, you need to get back up here. Your mom slipped into a coma. And so from that point on, I wish I would. I wish I could say, hey, the heavens opened up. I turned my life around and everything. And but I got angry. I got mad because God was not answering my prayers. He didn't answer Fair. my prayers. My mom ended up dying. And um, later on, my wife, aunt, who was a godly woman, she passed away, went to a funeral. It was a Church of God pastor that um, was preaching at the funeral. He invited me to church. Of course, like everybody else that we invite to church, I said, yeah. Um, I'd be there. Wasn't plan on going. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, we ended up going with our three kids. And that was in 2007. And we've been attending church ever since then. Yeah. No, that's exciting. And uh, and I love um, because most of us, when we talk about outreach, it really is that consistent uh, just conversation. It's consistency of people reaching out. And it usually uh, involves quite a life story, you know, so thank you for being willing to kind of share that. Um, so let's talk about, uh, you know, obviously you come from doing a role that was outreach pastor, and then, you know, now you've re- moved to a rural community. And so talk to us a little bit, because I'm sure that there are other pastors listening who uh, would love to have been in your shoes, right? Would love to have had a full-time job as outreach pastor and then move to their church and go, okay, now how do I reach out to my community? And so maybe with that in mind, give us some practical tips that you've seen work to reach out. I mean, whether it's any community, but really in a rural setting as well, you know, talk to us about that. Well, I know it was a lot different because, you know, unfortunately, 
that outreach pastor was not my full-time job. I oh, had to have sure. I guess I assume job. that, yeah. I had to have a full-time job on top of serving as as an outreach pastor. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, the thing with me and what I found here is like when we were in Illinois, we had a food pantry that was already set up at the church. So that was an outreach that we were doing. Um, There's some other things that was already set up. So I just went into the role of, okay, just keep it going. But oh, sure. We, when you come to a church like here that nothing is set up for outreach, the more and more I talk to the people that when we came here, the last time they did an outreach was over 10 years ago. And oh, wow. so coming in, we knew, uh, me and my wife knew that had to change. If we, between being here in Idaho and God knows that Pentecostal out this way is not the largest denomination out this way. Yeah, not by a mile. <laughs> you you have the LDS that is huge out here and does quite quite a bit of stuff in this community. And we have a bigger uh, Baptist church out here that does quite a bit of stuff in this community. And we're we're lucky that we have a great church, but we're not inside the town. We're on the outline of the town of the town and so when we came in here we had to really think about okay what do we what we need to do to put our staple to let people know there are more than the LDS here there's more than the Baptist here there's more than a congregational church here we are here and we want to serve you we're not here to be served but we're here to serve you. And so we had to really look at, and I had to um, make a challenge to my board that I have. And the challenge was if Westside Assembly of God closed today, would the town of New Plymouth miss us? And if the answer is no, we have to change that. And so we just went on and um, thought of different things that have not been done here and started doing it. Um, one of the things that we started was Celebrate Recovery, where they only celebrate recovery in Payette County, that oh, no cool. other church has Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery here is going, and we have great leaders who graduated from Celebrate Recovery, now leading Celebrate Recovery, and we're opening up and um, this year, we um, this year we just had a meeting with the courthouse in Payette County, where they're going to start referring people that oh, cool. are, have a drug problem and an alcohol problem problem to our Celebrate Recovery. This spring, we are about to launch uh, Embrace Grace, that is he helping young mothers who are thinking about um, abortion because Idaho abortion is illegal, but oh, we. Sure. We live 15 minutes away from Oregon, where abortion is legal. So people from here can just drive 15 minutes and get abortion. So we're about to start Embrace Grace, which will uh, allow the church come aside these young mothers that who wants to choose life. We will help them. We will lead them. We will give them classes and parenting. And when they choose to either adopt out or either keep their child, the church will throw them a huge baby shower, get them everything they need, and we will come alongside of them to help them. Um, just this last past 4th of July, there never been fireworks in the town of New Plymouth. And so 
We have the opportunity since we have land here at Westside Assembly of God. We bought a whole bunch of fireworks. We opened it up to the community and we had 500 people from our community on our land watching fireworks, just enjoying stuff. So nice. we're trying to put the foot in that we are here. We're here to help you any way we can. So that's some of the stuff that we're doing here in New Plymouth, Idaho. Yeah. And uh, talk to me a little bit, because um, obviously, especially with those two ministries you mentioned, you know, Celebrate Recovery is not limited, obviously, to those struggling with addiction, but becomes a, a ready home for those. Um, yeah. and, and But but bringing in those who are struggling in that way can change the demographic of a church, you know, working with uh, frequently young, young mothers who are kind of having that conversation kind of brings in, for lack of a better term, a different crowd. And so how have you as a pastor, like how has your church done with kind of handling that shift, if you will? You know, has that been well received? How have you pastored through that? You know, I think it's been well received. There's one thing I had to get used to here. I have to say by many people have came and preached for me when I'm gone and stuff like that. We have the most friendliest church that I've ever seen in my life. Um, I had to get, I'm not a hugger. I had to get <laughs> used to everybody wants to hug. And so when it comes to the, the thing of people with addictions and young mothers have came in and stuff like that, or even um, I have tried to even minister with the homeless that's in Oregon. And, you know, I'm preparing our church that I'm praying for a bus that God to give us where we can pick up all the homeless people and bring them to church. And so I'm trying to prepare the church for that. Our church is really on board with it. We have, I think, with this little town and everybody that feels like family already, but the most best thing I can say about Westside, we do not forget where God saved us from. And so mm-hmm. I can say we do not, of course, every church got their religious people. Sure, but sure. Majority of our church is not religious. Majority of our church never forget where God has saved them from. And one thing that I really love is that we see some of the older people that's willing to teach the younger people. And that's the only way we're going to grow. Awesome. Well, I love to hear that. And I love, uh, that dedication, you know, you mentioned uh, helping your board see the need for outreach. You mentioned uh, setting that culture and even making that statement of like, yeah, this church uh, is going to be a place where that happens, you know, and, and helping people see that I think is such a huge testament to kind of the work of the pastor, you know, preaching the heartbeat of it. And so, um, yeah, I hope people can kind of see that. Well, my next question kind of ties along with this one, uh, but maybe go into a little more depth on the process, right? Because it's easy enough to say, the phrase to a rural pastor, like, oh, find any in your, your community and fill it, right? Super easy to say out loud. But how does someone go about finding the ideas to fill it with, understanding where the needs are and where they lack? And so, you know, you mentioned that your your, t- your community has nine different churches in a town of 1,700 people. And so yeah. how does a church begin to carve out a niche that's not met by others? You know, where do they find the ideas? What's the process to it? How do people get on board? You know, all those things. I think the biggest thing for for us is I came from worked under pastors that I can remember Pastor Jeff Morrow that I worked under, uh, served under in Galesburg. He said something that always stuck with me. Do not try to reinvent the wheel. Hmm. If someone is doing something, 
help them do it and make it better. And so when I came here, there's a lot of stuff people was already doing. And so what we focus on is what do this town need that people are not doing, Mm -hmm. but other churches are not doing because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. If they're doing something, they need help doing it. Then you know what? We will help them by all means do it. But what do this town need that other churches are not doing? Then we looked at even in a small town, Payette County, which we live in, has the highest drug and alcohol rate Mm. through the state of Idaho. Okay, there's no there. The closest celebrate recovery was 20, 25 minutes away. And so what about these people here? The only way they're going to break free is that we have to introduce them to Jesus Christ. So that was a no brainer. (laughs) We had to start one. And so how did you just as a side question, how did you go about finding out that information? You mentioned that your county has this high, you know, drug and alcohol thing going on. Like, how did you go about? Was that just word of mouth? Was it somebody you were able to talk to that gave you more information? Like, tell me about that a little bit. No, if you really look at um, and you go online, you can pretty much find anything online. And the thing is, um, one thing with me um, coming here, I wanted to um, hit the ground running. You know, I didn't want to be one of those pastors that just just come here and blend in. I wanted to be effective. You know, God did not move us 1,700 miles away from Illinois to come out here just to blend in. And mm-hmm. that was my attitude when I got here. My attitude was, okay, we got to hit the ground running. So before we even got here, I looked online and seen, okay, there are the highest rate within Idaho comes from Payette County because it's a poverty type county. And so the the easiest thing is here to get is methamphetamines. And so not only that, I looked at New Plymouth, Idaho, and realized, okay, with the statistics out here that I found through different websites, 38% of New Plymouth, Idaho do not go to church anywhere. Well, Mm. you know what, we have to change that. And that's one thing that I brought to the church. The only way to change it, this is not 1940s or 1950s anymore when people wake up and say, you know what, it's a great day to take my whole uh, family to church. And so we're just going to get up and go. Now we have to meet them where they're at. And that's one of the biggest things that I think that we are looking at within 2024 is, okay, what outreaches can we do to bring them in? What makes us stand out more than the nine other churches we got here? What is going to make people feel like Westside is their home? And the number one that I preach from the pulpit, the number one I try to show people in my actions is there's two things that people are looking for. They're looking for a non-judgmental place to go, and they're looking for the truth to be preached. They're tired of watered down. They're tired of fakeness. They're tired of falsehood. And that's one thing I try to strive here at Westside Assembly of God, that we are a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, and Bible-practicing church that do not judge because we are all one bad decision away from being exactly where these people are at. I love that. And I think a lot of your heart comes through the language. 
Uh, I know that I kind of had interjected a side question. Was there any more thoughts you had on uh, that question number four there about, about, you know, finding a niche that's not already done? Well, I mean, really, we just had to come here. And really, I, I think for the first four months, we got to know the people mm. in this town. The great thing is not a lot of churches still have parsonages, but we, our church do. And so even the other sister churches, Assembly of God churches around us, now that their church have parsonages. So one sure. of the things that helped us is we live in this town. My son played basketball for this town. We got to go up to the school and show our face. And and it, it's weird because we're in a town that no one looks like us. <laughs> so yeah. when we really just um, got to know people, got to talk to them, got to listen to their heart and ask them, pretty much. What do you think this town needs more than anything? Mm. And when people start looking into uh, saying, hey, we, uh, the Baptist church used to have after school program, they don't have any more. And boy, I used to love that because my kids went there to um, have help with their homework and all this mm. stuff. Well, you know what? We're sitting on eight acres. Every acre get a building permit. Let's start making ways. We got classrooms galore in this big church that we're not even using. Let's start doing stuff that um, we can help out. And the only thing we need is volunteers. Um, yeah. We have people in this church that get degrees and everything else. Hey, let's volunteers to help these kids. Even um, the Payette County Key Club needed a place to to, to me. Well, you know what? You need Tuesday night. We have nothing going on Tuesday yeah, night. Have the church. Why not? <laughs> so, you know, I'm part of the Kiwanis Club here anyway. That's one of the w ways I, what I did is to join a club that was doing stuff for the community anyway. So I joined that. That way I can get a first ear of what the town needs. And so when it was the Kiwanis Club, uh, Payette County Kiwanis Club, Key C Club wanted to meet somewhere, have at it at the church. We have nothing going on on Tuesday nights. We'd be more than willing to open up our church to help the youth in this community. Nice. And uh, there's a ton we could just unpack there, and I'm sure our listeners caught it. But uh, uh, everything from personal involvement in the minister. I mean, I love that you said, hey, I got out there. I took the lead. Um, I even love getting online. Like so many of us, uh, I think, might neglect that vital area of saying, hey, get to know the needs of your community. What are the statistics? What are the problems that keep popping up? And then also just the listening aspect. You know, I think uh, I think it really shows that you come from, I mean, obviously you said you were raised in a Christian home, but once you've spent time, you know, outside the church, there is an understanding that comes where you say like, hey, uh, you know, we we could have a lot of Christian solutions to needs, but, but we got to ask people like, hey, what is it you're looking for, you know? Um, and I even love your creativity. You know, I, I'm sure that... Uh, when you moved here, you didn't anticipate or maybe didn't necessarily anticipate, uh, you know, like putting on a fireworks show, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't have to be your skill set or your passion, but you just say, hey, what's a need that we can meet? You know, I love that flexibility that you have, you know, as well. Um, so for this last question, and I think it actually does tie to outreach, uh, maybe not directly, but obviously outreach is kind of a pace. You know what I'm saying? Like you are constantly involved in your community. You're looking for ways to reach out and starting new ministries, doing outreach. It can be exhausting in its own way. And so why don't you talk about like the value of a Sabbath for a minister and then practical tips on how that shows up in your life? Well, I know one thing that we have tried to do, me and my wife, is um, we will we even said in our interview, we would never put a church above our family. 
Mm-hmm. And we try to stick to that. Um, we go by the model, God, family, then ministry. Sure. One thing that I have to I have to say, I love this church. They respect my days off. My son, who is uh, graduating from high school, he is taking the Idaho School of Ministry through the AGs. And so nice. we have to drive him um, to his classes once a month and stuff. And so we spend that day. The phones are shut off. We don't answer anything unless it's a diehard emergency. And we spend that time to ourselves. Normally, my work days, I take Saturdays and Mondays off. I try not to do anything church related. I do just strictly what I need to do to focus on uh, re-energizing and um, studying and stuff like that for the upcoming week. Um, For me, I think A lot of pastors and a lot of people in general get this wrong, that they think Sabbath means we have to completely worship that whole day. No, God put Sabbath in for one reason and one reason only. He was done working them six days. The Sabbath was to rest. And I think that's something that every pastor needs to know and realize is that we need to take a rest day just like everything else, because The one thing that I have noticed being in ministry that early on when I first started off in ministry, when I was with the Church of God, that Satan had me so confused that if I didn't do it, it wouldn't get done. I had to keep on doing. And the thing that I I found out that I was so busy working, I started to break down and start getting sick in ministry. Because I was so busy working a full-time job, then going on doing stuff for the church and doing A, B, and C. But the one thing that I have to really honestly say that my wife has taught me that, hey, you need to take time for yourself. You need to take time for your, your family. You need to take time just to refresh. And um, one thing that I love about being out here is that anytime I tell them, hey, I need a break. Pastor, you take that break. You refresh because we believe if I'm not healthy, then how can the church that I pastor be healthy? Mm -hmm. And so one thing that about the Sabbath that we have to realize that everybody needs a Sabbath day, regardless what work line of work you do. If it's whatever day, if you get off Wednesday, Thursday, you take one of them days for your Sabbath day and make sure you rest. Well, I love that. And uh, and I've just really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for such a, uh, yeah, just a candid and an in-depth look at what outreach could look like. And so uh, I guess, yeah, just to finish out here, thanks again for being on the podcast, Pastor John. Hey, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, well, from all of us at Real Advancement, we just want to say again, it is our goal every single week to bring you content that is not just spoken to the Real Church, but is spoken by people who get it. We hope that you've been uh, encouraged, challenged, and inspired Uh, As always, you could always go leave us a review or a rating on Spotify or or Apple Podcasts. But truth be told, in the most rural of fashions, the best way to spread this podcast around is just to find somebody else who could benefit from some of these conversations and let them know to tune in. And so uh, I have been your host, Joe Epley. He has been Pastor John Baker, and we will see you next week. 